unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning, Nathan. I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. And for the video viewers, they already know we've got returning champion Doug Pugh on the podcast today. So I can't wait to get into what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. So as you know, online education is growing faster than you can keep up with practically. Now, that's great news if you're already riding the boom wave yourself. The problem is, as the space gets more saturated, course creators need new ways to stand out. I mean, how do you become known as the go-to expert in your niche? Our returning champion today, I think this is number five, number six, um, Doug Pugh has some answers for you. Besides writing blockbuster copy for course creators, Doug also coaches people to put together powerful courses and ramp up their sales growth. Doug believes that a course business should be built more like a religion than a school or an academy, and that's what he's going to talk about today, because that is how he has helped his clients develop six- and seven-figure businesses with their courses. But first, a little bonus reminder from Copywriter's Podcast. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Doug, welcome back. I'm really eager to dig into this. How are you? Great. Glad to be here. Thanks, David. Sure. So... First of all, this is an unusual strategy. I haven't heard anyone else talk about it. How did you come up with it? Well, it first got on my radar when I first met Ray Edwards, uh, another great copywriter. I was I used to be a full-time musician professor, but I made a pivot into marketing and copywriting back in 2015, 2016. And I decided I was not going to be Mr. Musician anymore. I was just going to be Mr. Copywriter. I went to a Ray Edwards event uh, swearing that I would say nothing about music. And within 10 minutes, he told a Beethoven story that was wrong. Of course, I had to correct him. And then the cat was out of the bag, which ended up being a great thing because we talked about how uh, music relates to copy. And then he got on the topic of how religion relates to copy, which was super like, what? I never heard that before. I'm very religious myself. Um, and one does not have to be religious for this to work, of course, but he introduced me to a book. Um, and I'm going to hopefully get the name right. There's, it's not Blair Warren. It's Rick Warren who wrote the book, uh, the purpose driven church. He, he's responsible for these big mega churches in Texas and in other places. And in this book, it's, it's the whole idea of the big journey of the parishioner or the person in your church. And the more I've worked in, uh, in courses, starting with Ray, the more I've recognized similarities between how one goes along the progress of a religion, of the sort of the parish 
the parishioner's journey versus the customer journey. And it's more than just one course. It becomes this full religious sort of kind of experience. So that's kind of where it came from, from my, my time with Ray. And I worked with Ray for two years creating courses and talking about these sorts of things. That's awesome. And if you want to get Doug talking about Beethoven, just tell a story incorrectly and he'll come in to, to give you the real. No, that, that is really great. Seriously. I love it. So you have like a five-step um, strategy. Um, you want to just go through it? Yeah, let's jump in. So number one, uh, I call love them like a good shepherd. Now, I don't know if anybody has quoted scripture on your podcast today, but I'm going to do a little bit of that. So in the New Testament, uh, in John chapter 10, there's this great sermon that Jesus gave. It's the good shepherd sermon. And you think about, well, what is a good shepherd? A, sh a shepherd, a good shepherd anyway, is one who protects his sheep. Not to say that people are sheep, but you get the idea. And there's a really great line in there that really resonates with me. It's not that the good shepherd just protects the sheep, but the sheep know the shepherd's voice. That's really important. It's like, you know, growing up, I could hear my dad coughing across a crowded room wow. with hundreds of people because I know my dad so well and he spent enough time with me that I could hear the timbre of his voice in a cough, you know, wow. same, mm -hmm. same kind of thing. A good shepherd spends enough time that his sheep know his voice. Same with the great course creator. So to love your people like a shepherd, I believe the word love is spelled T-I-M-E. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your course creating people, you need to spend time with them and really get to know them. And not just the kind of, you know, oh, I heard you, but get into their deeper pains, their deeper desires. And importantly, don't make assumptions. We often hear people say things about their pains or their struggles. And we say, oh, they must X, Y, Z, or they must, you know, A, B, C. Can't make those assumptions because we just don't have any idea of their, their history. So we really listen, we really spend time at, to figure out where their heart is. So an example of how this has worked for me in uh, working with my clients, I have a client uh, who's a great artist. And back in 2019, we launched uh, her course business. She was just making a living as a painter uh, and, and doing quite well, but thought, you know, maybe I could do this whole courses thing. So we chatted and sure enough, her, her method was fantastic. So we, we launched uh, a course to cold traffic and our upsell was a membership. So you get the painting course, there's five paintings, landscape paintings that you learn to do. And then after, well, since you liked that, why not get another little painting course every month, right? So that was, that was our upsell. Initially, the upsell was, was selling for 10, 10 to 10% 10 of the people, which was pretty darn good for a cold traffic funnel. Though three months in, we spent so much time with the people in the membership, listening to them, hearing them, watching their comments on Facebook and the Facebook group really closely. And we realized why we ha almost had zero churn, which I, I'd never quite seen a membership quite this good. And it wasn't so much about the paintings. It was about the community. They loved painting together. But we wouldn't have come up with that had we not really paid attention. Well, all we did was change the headline of that upsell 
from something like, you know, would you like an additional painting course each month, something like that, to why paint alone? And it went from 10% conversion to 55% conversion wow. and stayed there for about 18 months. But see, we, we heard them. We heard what they needed, what they wanted, and they heard us, and this worked beautifully. What's your second step? Second step uh, is prepare a plan of salvation. Again, we're getting a little religious here, but that's kind of the whole point. So in most faiths, there is some sort of path. You know, in the Christian faith, it's getting back to live with God in heaven someday, or, you know, another faith that's different. Whatever faith you have, there is some sort of plan, some sort of path. Uh, so in my faith, we call it the plan of salvation, so that's, that's what I come to. And what that is, is it's not just the path through the individual course itself. It's a path of full customer journey from where they are at the very beginning, all these little steps until they reach a so-called paradise, for lack of a better term. I mean, if you think of, I, I have a little business selling uh, or teaching music to mostly grandmas in a Christian faith, and they, they want to write little songs for their grandkids so that they can, you know, remember the stories of the Bible and so forth. Well, it's really hard to write music, you know, and it's, it's not just a, a once and done. So I take them very carefully over each big problem, and, and each big problem is its own little course, and then the next one, and then the next one, so that there's a much more full transformation. And when my course creators that I coach and write for, when they come to me and say, hey, I've got this idea for a course, I'm really good at teaching you know, this thing. The first thing I always say, okay, well, where does this fit into the overall plan of salvation of sort of the, the religion of your business? Where do they go? Let's think of the Catholic Church, for example. You can't just jump in and get married in the Catholic Church. You first got to get do your catechism, get baptized, do some other things, talk to the preacher, and then, you know, get married. Same kind of thing. We want to take them through this curated path. That's the idea of the plan of salvation. To give an example, when I worked with Ray Edwards, he does this really, really well. And what's interesting is a lot of the content is the same from step to step, but the experience with the content is different. So in his particular business, he's teaching mostly entrepreneurs how to write copy for their offers. And he also has now uh, teaching copywriters themselves and mentoring them. So the first step in his sort of plan of salvation is to get his book, How to Write Copy That Sells. Great book. It's on Amazon. There's a little plug for my buddy Ray. Um, and it really gives his basic formula for how he writes his blockbuster copy, step one. That, see, that first step gets the person to believe enough that they might try this. And then, okay, so once they've covered that, then he, his next offer is his academy, so a bigger course to dive a little bit deeper so that they could then really write their full copy for a launch. And then after that, it's like, well, hey, you've learned to do this. You could make some additional income as a writer yourself. Let me teach you how to get clients. So that's the next step. And then after that, he has a certification program, which he and I created together. And it's a, it's a bigger, more robust thing. But it's this very careful, planned 
line from start to paradise. And if you just launch a course and it has nothing to do with all the other stuff you're doing, it's confusing. We know the confused mind doesn't buy and they don't know where they are in the journey. And if people can't figure out where they are in the journey, they're likely to go to someone else who will help them know where they are in the journey. I, I see you've thought about this a lot and it's, it's a system. It's, it's different from anything I've heard. Step three, create concentrated curriculum. Can you talk about that? Yes. Concentrated curriculum. So you know, any expert, and I have the same problem, David, you, you may have had this problem at some point, but you're very practiced. And as one of your mentees, I've noticed this is one of your strengths. Uh, mm. As experts, we often have so much knowledge that we overwhelm people. It takes a lot of control to not <laughs> overwhelm them. So, you know, going back to my, my grandmas who I teach songwriting to, I, you know, I used to be a university professor of music. I have a PhD in classical music composition. I've written operas for the Kennedy Center. I can overwhelm them in about two seconds. It's right. not going to help them, right? right? So we're used to seeing this. Uh, there's this idea of the thud factor out there in, in course land. Like, let me give you this thud stack of books and binders with all of this stuff to make my offer so amazing that you can't say no. But it's so stinking overwhelming that people are going to run away. The number one reason people quit memberships and you know get refunds from courses is overwhelm. So by creating a concentrated curriculum, it's kind of like that plan of salvation we talked about a minute ago. We just help them get over the first hurdle. So for my grandma ladies, the first hurdle for them is, I don't think I can write lyrics. That's really hard. I'm not a poet. So the very first thing I teach them is how, in a very systematic way, using a grid system that I have, and I'm not a poet either, but with this grid, they can write lyrics. And they, they do it all the time. They, by the end of it, it's like, holy cow, I can't believe I did this. You know, I help them learn how to line up the rhymes and line up the beats in the poetry, not just the scansion. And it's fantastic. And once they get over that little hurdle, then the next hurdle is, okay, well, I wrote lyrics, but can I write a melody? I don't know. That seems so hard. Okay, so that's the next thing we do. <laughs> and we just focus. We concentrate on that little bit to get them over the next hump and on and on and on to the point where, you know, I've, I've been doing these workshops and things for the last three years or so. I can take somebody, I have taken people from total newbie all the way to writing a 30-minute full cantata that they can put on in their church with organ and strings and winds. and like. But it's been by little steps. There's this line in the Bible again, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. The thud factor is the way of the past. We want to give people as quick a win as we can so that they can continue on. I did have something I wanted to jump in with real, real quick, David. Yeah. Okay. So, Doug, I love that you're talking about this, and I love that you're also drawing the analogy to religion, because in religion, a lot of times you have kind of the people that are in the religion, and they they believe the core tenets, but they kind of have a broad brush stroke approach to the religion. And then you have some people that are like deep into the esoteric parts of the religion, and they're they're 
you know, they can tell you not only the verses, but they can tell you when they were written. They can tell you how they were changed throughout the years, and they can tell you all of the background knowledge that you need to know for the metaphors or whatever's going on. In marketing, I have found that in any kind of niche or group of people that you're trying to connect with, it's the same thing. There's a lot of people that just want to know the basics, and that's usually the best people to sell to. And then there's the people that are deep into the religion of that culture, and they have their own religion, and they're steadfast, and they're very hard to sell on new ideas. But a lot of people go into, I want to create a course for this community, and they go after those people, and they're going after the blue and yellow, and, or blue and black and brown belt and red belt people, and they don't have anything for the white and yellow belt people, and that's who's the most likely to latch on and say, hey, give me some easy wins and I'm going to become a part of your religion. But a lot of people spend all of their time trying to convert the people who have already made up their mind about the religion rather than bringing in the new people that are looking for that religion. That is such a great point. And the the deeper the people get into their, I mean, let's, let's take ClickFunnels, for example. Um, I love Russell, great guy. There's such a deep culture, he, he, he says that himself, culture, <laughs> being a funnel hacker, which is pretty impressive. I mean, the guy's impressive for many reasons, but the way he can build a tribe is incredible. Now, you go and try to convince a diehard Russell Brunson mastermind person that their funnel is not working because they're not doing xyz not uh because russell says this and this and this it's like it's almost impossible right i want to add something though to what you said nathan because the person who's the white belt or the yellow belt they're excited about marketing or whatever the thing is but there's a deeper thing there's there's a specific love about what direction they're going and so back back to my my grandmas they're terrified of writing but deep down inside of them they have this like deep love for church music. It means so much to them. So in marketing, a lot of people have a deep love for like the freedom of being an entrepreneur, but they're new to the idea of marketing. And I think it's a mistake to only talk to the new part of the person. If you can talk to that deeper love of the person and show them that, hey, these simple steps will not only help you with the surface level marketing, but it will also satisfy this deeper hunger inside of you, all the better. And the way I, I do this, I know we're getting a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's a really great point, um, is in my, in my music business, the whole thing that my grandmas want to do is they want to pass on a legacy of their testimony. That means so much to them. I, I can't even put it in words. Like I can feel it because I've been with them doing it. And so to the point where these women are breaking down, crying their eyes out on Zoom calls with me because their grandchildren came and sang their song to them. Like you can't even put a price on that. And when I market to them, I talk about, let's turn your testimony into song. Let's create a testimony time capsule out of your song see how that plays to both the surface i want to write a song and the deeper legacy thing that's it's so crucial you got to connect those deep levels that's awesome and, and i think that that's also part of your next step right building belief through momentum 
Yeah, building belief through momentum is a little more surface level than the, the deeper belief. What I mean by that is belief in their own ability. So oh. back to the thing where, okay, I don't know how to write lyrics. Well, in two weeks, I get you there. And then, wait a minute, I believe that I can do this. And then two more weeks, whoa, I have a beautiful melody. Okay, maybe I can write a song. So then the next two weeks, here's how to put the harmony to it. Whoa, I just put chords to a melody? Are you kidding me? They can't even believe it. And then the next final two weeks, they write the little piano part. I don't have to give them the thud factor to give them this big win. I give them just enough so that they can believe in themselves. That's how I decide where to draw the line in the curriculum. Because like I said, I can overwhelm them. But if I can pinpoint at what point will they believe in themselves, and that's the end of that part of the curriculum, then they gain this momentum and they never want to stop. I had this woman, she's been on my list for th almost three years, never purchased anything. And I'm a very sort of aggressive emailer. I email, I email almost every day and I always provide a lot of helpful value and of course calls to action and so on. But she loved my emails, but she was too afraid to buy anything for three years. So finally she writes me and says, oh, that one. It's, it's called the Complete Harmony Playbook, how in 14 weeks you can learn all the chords you're ever going to need to write any music you want. It normally takes you four years in school to do that, but I'm going to give it to you in 14 weeks. It's like, oh, okay. So she got in. She was terrified. And these are, these are live hybrid courses where we, we meet twice a week and they watch videos and stuff. By the end of the 14 weeks, she called me and she said, I didn't think I could do this, but now not only do I believe in myself, I trust you. That was super big. Because I was able to help her believe in herself and gain momentum, she trusted me. And then she said, what's the next step for me? I said, well, with this knowledge you have, you're ready to write your first song. She said, there's no possible way. I never hear melodies in my head. I can't write a song. No, absolutely. She's in her 70s. She's like, there's, there's no way. I said, Margie. You just told me you trusted me. Trust me. This is the right next step for you. Oh, man. I see it on her face. Okay. Because I trust you, I'm going to sign up. And then she did, and she wrote this beautiful song. But, again, it came from these little steps of belief that gained momentum to the point that now she has her own legacy song and she took it to her family reunion and had her 10 kids and 37 grandchildren sing it and record it and send it back to us. Oh. And everybody was just losing it. Like it was so special, but it wouldn't have happened without little belief, little belief, momentum, knocking down those disbeliefs one by one. So that's the fourth step. That's that's awesome. And you you have a final step, right? Which is kind of where you bring this into the whole world. Right. And I call it finding forms of fellowship. So fellowship, you know, in any faith, let's say you convert to Hinduism or, or whatever it is, it's new. It's scary. Uh, no matter how much you feel it, no matter how much you have a personal conversion, you need, and I, I love the religious definition of conversion, much more than the marketing definition of conversion. Uh, it, it means more. I think we should use it that way. Anyway, 
you need some help. You need a mentor. You need a friend. You need a couple of friends so that you feel like you belong. It's scary enough trying to do the new thing, but if there's others who are will go arm in arm with you, hey, that's so much better, right? So two examples, back to my artist client, you know, they, they were joining these the membership and suddenly they had hundreds of friends just like them who they're all sharing their stuff and they ne they almost never cancel. I have another client, uh, Lauren Bateman, she's a guitar teacher online. Same thing, they have this membership where everybody's so afraid to post a video of themselves playing even the simplest chord progression because they're going to laugh at me or whatever. But all those people, they fellowship, they come together. Same in my music courses. This is, per this is why I do my music courses as hybrid courses because I want them to have the community aspect. And what happened, the magic of this, it's this kind of synergy that, you know, I, I feel confident in my ability as a teacher of music with all the experience that I have that I could take you one-on-one -on -one and get you to your goal. No problem. I, I've been doing it for a long time. But what I cannot create on my own is the magic of the community, of other people who come and are sharing ideas and supporting each other. And wow, I never thought of it that way. And oh, and I, I'm like quiet half the time now. And these women sort of take over and I get to watch them support each other. It's magical. And it, it's like a family. It, there's nothing, I've never seen anything or taught about this. And it it's, can be challenging to do, but you can find a way, whether it's through a Facebook group or in-person meetings or work together sessions like open office hours. And Hey, let's just work together. You're working on whatever you're teaching. Let's just hang out and work together, you know, even online. That's that stuff is so valuable, sometimes even more valuable than the content you're teaching them because they feel accepted and they feel that they belong. Okay, this, this is really great. We're going to have to wrap up, but can you give us a, a recap of your five steps again? Yes, absolutely. Step number one, love them like a good shepherd. Step two, prepare a plan of salvation. Step three, create concentrated curriculum. Step four, building belief through momentum. Step five, find forms of fellowship. That's awesome. And if people want to find out more about, you know, how you can help them, um, your website. Yeah, you can hit to my website or just send me an email. The website is dougpewcopywriting.com or doug at dougpewcopywriting.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes. Great. I just want to say thank you for this and point out the fact that in this episode, you did a lot of what you were teaching. You made it very easy to understand, very easy to consume. And if people listen to this and start taking actions on it, they're going to start seeing results right away. So I love the fact that you took your lesson and you actually made it real inside of the lesson. So thank you for bringing that to us, Doug. And if you, the listener, enjoyed this episode, make sure that you check out more episodes over at copywriterspodcast.com. And one more time before we're out of here, Doug, where can people go if they want to find out more about you? Doug Pugh Copywriting, D-O-U-G-P-E-W, copywriting.com. All right. Thanks again for coming on. And until next time, we will catch you later. Thanks. See you later. 
Stories are the most powerful way to get and hold a prospect's attention. Of course, you already know that. But the problem many of us have had is, even though stories are absolute magnets for getting attention, they don't do that much to advance the sale. That's because the way most of us have been taught to tell stories was not with persuasion in mind. I decided to change that. So I looked at what I had learned in studying story and writing copy for decades, as well as coaching all-star copywriters. What I had learned about stories that persuade, and I wrote a book, It's called The Persuasion Story Code. It tells you exactly how to create and use stories to move the sale forward. Lots of stories. I'm including examples of 25 different kinds with step-by-step guidelines for putting your own persuasion stories together. You can get The Persuasion Story Code on Amazon.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.